You're listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm your host, Margaret, a holistic nutritionist, bringing you real talk and thought-provoking conversations on food, the wellness world, women's health topics, and life. Remember, the information shared in this podcast is not to be taken as individual or medical advice. Welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to introduce today's guest. Her name is Adrienne Cotton. She is a speaker, a certified fitness and nutrition coach, wellness expert, mother of teenage twins, and the creator of a program called Master Menopause Now. I brought her on today's podcast to discuss a topic that I think every woman needs to be informed on, and that topic is perimenopause and menopause. If you're listening to this and you're like, nah, I'm nowhere near menopause. I'm in my 20s or my 30s. That's something older women need to worry about. I'd encourage you to still listen to this. Why? Because what you do in your 20s and in your 30s makes all the difference in how you feel in your 40s. Perimenopause for many women can feel like a total slap in the face. It can feel lonely, isolating. You can feel crazy. It can be like a total out of body experience. And today's guest is giving us a solid education and encouragement on how to support our bodies in this hormonal stage of life. I also really, really appreciated her wisdom and her encouragement to those of us women who are juggling really busy schedules. And we know the importance of movement and exercise and lifting weights, but because of our busy schedules and what we have to do day to day, it just feels impossible to add that in or it's we're just not hitting the consistency that we'd like to. Because of her training and fitness background, she really gives solid advice on how to actually add more movement into your day without making it feel like it's this big chore or to-do list. And I, I really enjoyed her perspective on that. We're discussing things like what kind of body changes and signs can clue us in on the beginnings of perimenopause. What age does perimenopause start? She's debunking some of the common myths that we hear about menopause, like if your mother started perimenopause at a certain age, does that mean you're going to start menopause at a certain age? No matter what stage of life you're in, you're going to take something away from this episode. So I hope you give it a listen and enjoy. So Adrian, thank you for being here today. Welcome to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm excited for our listeners to really hear this conversation because I have quite a few listeners that are in that perimenopausal, menopausal stage of life, or they know someone that is, or they eventually will be in that stage of life. So this, this is a super important conversation. Well, I'm really happy to be here, Peg. It's lovely to see you face to face. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I'd love a little background on how you got into the world of hormone education for women. I do know that you have a background in working in government, uh, looks like corporate wellness. How did you evolve into what you're teaching now? I stumbled on it very much similar to you. I stumbled into this whole industry of fitness first. So I had a corporate career. I started out my career in Washington. I, I grew up in Southern California and I started in Washington and I eventually ended up on Capitol Hill. I was one of the youngest communications directors on Capitol Hill in the 90s. I was living the life. I was 27. I was crafting messages for members of Congress to speak on national television. And then because I thought I was supposed to, I say that in quotes, 
um, get a bigger job because that was somewhat of my family upbringing is you get just a bigger job, bigger title, bigger paycheck. I went into corporate America. After that, it was probably 12 to 12-ish years after that. And I managed teams of from 12 to 60. I was in my 30s. And I hit this place at the end of my corporate life and realized that I really wasn't doing, I was 33, and I wasn't serving anyone, but really my paycheck. And my husband said, then do it because he knew all along. I, again, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up, I was very blessed. I grew up close to the beach and I would take the bus to the beach or I would ride my bike to the beach and I would ride my bike. I was surrounded by people who moved and exercised. And when I came to Washington in the late 80s, people weren't moving and people weren't understanding how could they get healthy and fit and have these incredible jobs in government. I mean, I met some of the highest levels of people in government. I've met five presidents. I mean, I've just been really blessed, but they didn't know folks who support them don't know how to take care of themselves. So I stopped my job there at my company, at the company, and I opened up a strength training gym in Alexandria. We live in a little part of Alexandria called Old Town at at the time we did. And I was the first strength training gym, personal training gym in Old Town in 2004. And I owned it for about 17 years. And there, it was a wonderful experience. We worked with people who were really driven, very dedicated again, partners in law firms, people who ran associations, high levels of members of the government. And they were all working so hard for this goal to look good. And the more I watched women work hard to get to this goal, I recognized I was doing the same thing. I was working out really hard. I was cutting calories. I was counting you know, the labels on the back of boxes. And yet I still wasn't satisfied with how I felt and nor were the women with whom I worked. So then I recognized oh gosh, we all have this thing in common. We're in our late 30s, early 40s, and we're approaching this time of life, perimenopause. And our bodies are different because our brains are completely different. So why am I approaching my fitness, my diet, and my wellness in the same way that I was when I was in my teens, my 20s, and my 30s? I had a lot of help along the way. I had a lot of mentors in the wellness space. I landed in the chair of the office of a um, menopause specialist who taught me so much about what I was going through. And I recognized that women who I was working with, and I just phenomenally successful. I had a lot of individuals who were not happy that I closed the doors, but I decided I wanted to work with women only in this phase. So I started a new company that was Fitness on the Run. I started Alexandria Wellness. I live in Alexandria and I ran Alexandria Wellness. For four years. And then I recognized even more so that women needed to understand that this is about this period of life. It's an uphill battle, Peg. It really is to get women to understand it is much more being successful in how you look and how you feel has more to do than what society wants you to believe, and that is diet and exercise. So I changed the name of my company. I do very similar work, but I did launch a wellness, a uh, menopause program that you just spoke about in the intro, and that's called Master Menopause Now. So that's my trajectory for to here now, owning the company that is named Adrienne Cotton, because I really wanted to put my name 
on this product and on this vocation, I call it helping women understand you don't have to, you don't have to have a miserable and struggle, struggle through perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important message because I do think a lot of women are dismissed during this season of life. They go to the doctor and they're, you know, hey, my hair's falling out or um, my, my, I've gained weight. Or we start to see blood markers are starting to go off with cholesterol and different things like that. And it's kind of just this like, you're just getting older or sorry, this is happening to you. And there's, as you know, so much, so much we can do to counteract these changes. So I obviously know a ton about perimenopause and menopause, but our audience may not. And so I'm going to kind of take this interview from the standpoint of like pretending I really don't know. And I'm going to ask you lots of questions like, all right, how do we know that we're entering into perimenopause? Like, what's the average age that we start to see this? Can this happen as young as 35 or 45? Like, it seems like this kind of blanket term for this stage of hormone life. And you're like, all right, am I in perimenopause for a decade, five years, two years? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, as you know. So first of all, to answer your question about how do we know? Yeah. So if someone were to stop this recording or stop this podcast now, but yes, there are women in their early 30s who experience perimenopause, but most women are in their 40s. So if you are in your 40s, I love to say to someone who approaches me about my program and they'll say, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm not sleeping. I really am not interested in sex anymore. I have really high anxiety and I'm hot either at night or during the day or both. So those are the core four symptoms, hot flashes and or night sweats. There's a lot of debate right now whether or not they are the same thing. We used to believe that night sweats are hot sweats at night, quite sure. And you, you may even know the answer to that. There's a lot of debate about that. Number two is higher anxiety. And that is all chalked up to the fact that your brain is wondering what is going on. It is used to a cycle that has happened typically monthly or regularly. And it is not, even though you may be believing you have a regular cycle still, it's probably not. Certain signs are happening that you're probably not even paying attention to because you're busier than ever, possibly caring for kids, a team, elderly parents or relatives, others around you. You're not paying attention to the ins and outs of your cycle. Again, night sweats, hot flashes, and sleep disruption, and vaginal dryness. All incredibly common. 75% of women experience hot flashes or night sweats. So if you're feeling any of those, and I would say sleep disruption and anxiety go hand in hand, as you know, they're biodirectional. So therefore, if one is happening, the other is likely happening. If you have high stress, consistent and considerable high stress, your sleep is likely disrupted. If you're working on your stress resilience practices, as you know that I teach and I know you teach, then your sleep is likely to be better. However, those are the core symptoms. Perimenopause can last for a decade, to answer your question. And the average age of menopause, as you know, is 51. And menopause is, the difference between perimenopause and menopause is quite simple, but you would be surprised at how many women, and you probably wouldn't, be surprised at how many women don't remember when they stopped their cycle. So we are officially in menopause when we have stopped our periods consistently 
for 12 months. Until then, if you don't, if you have a cycle eight months later, you'd have no cycle. And then you have one eight months later, you are not in menopause. Yeah. Which for some of us, you get to that point where you're like, okay, can we be done now? Yes. <laughs> it is lovely. I have to admit it is. Yes. Yeah. And the, the perimenopause, as you know, are often worse in large part because we don't know what's happening. And we just think we're tired and we're, we're struggling with a busy schedule and all these responsibilities that we've chosen. And we're gaining weight because we're not sleeping. We're less motivated to exercise. We just want to reward ourselves with something at the end of the day in terms of food. And it's really hard to grab a hold of our health and wellness in this phase because we don't do enough self-care. Yeah, yeah. And there is a level of like, you kind of feel like you're chasing your tail. And there's a level of just kind of like, what's the point? The self-sabotage can set in for some of us. I would love for you to debunk some myths surrounding this stage of life. So one of the things that I've had clients ask me is, is it true that the earlier you get your period, the earlier you're more likely to start the perimenopause stage of life? Do you think that really plays a role with this for women? I do get asked this a lot. And I have to say, I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't found anything concrete either. Okay, so. good. So that makes me feel better because I have been asked this question. The other one is if your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And it used to be yes and yes, but now we're not really sure. Yeah. We're all individuals. Our brain, yes, genetics plays a part in a lot. And as you know, genetics pays a large part in our physique, but also, our lifestyle choices do too. Mm-hmm. I call it half and half. I will look at a pie chart. 50% of our physique and of our, our fitness and our wellness and our health has to do with genetics, but the other 50% does not. I mean, my family, not the healthiest folks on all kinds of blood pressure medication. All of them are and were. Some of them have passed early on. I'm still, knock on wood, not me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think there's a big role that toxicity plays in there with that. But yeah, it is a question that I get asked. And I I also know that the female menstrual cycle and hormonal patterns, I just don't think are studied well enough. And so there is such a, there is an aspect of mystery to this for women. And I also think, I don't know if you see this with your clientele, but I'm starting to see this shift with my clients where I personally am that first, one of the first generations that was put on birth control at a really young age. At, I was put on at like 16. Um, I call myself like the brown bag birth control generation where you go, I remember going into my doctor with really bad menstrual cycle issues. I'd like miss the first two days of school and they put me on like ortho tricycline low and they taught me how to like skip my period. And I did that off and on for like a decade. And so did my friends. Everyone did. And now we're starting to see this shift where more of us are embracing our cycle and we're free bleeding and we're not suppressing it. Yes. And I know that has really, you know, when you when you disrupt that communication between your brain and your ovaries for a decade, we know that has to contribute to how your perimenopause stage of life is going to be. Absolutely. Right. right. Exactly. And you're starting at such a young age at 16. Yeah. And that's your cycle essentially starts. So you know that women were not required to be in medical trials until the year 1993. 
Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of study. I mean, another statistic is between the years 2013 and 2020, only 6% of medical trials were done on studies were done on women alone. Right. So we're in a whole new exciting stage where women are being embraced with new research that we've never seen before. So some of these answers, we don't have the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't, and because of some of these things, we can't compare to how our mother or our grandparents went through menopause because, you know, my grandmother wasn't on birth control. I I don't even think my mom was at any point. It just wasn't status quo. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And our mom, our, our mom, my mom had my oldest sister when she was 25. I had my twins at 40. Yes, such a different situation. And so explain a little bit more about that experience. So you had your twins at 40. <laughs> yes. And when did you start to experience perimenopause yourself? How old were your twins? <laughs> well, my symptoms <laughs> started, I truly believe one of my dear, dear friend, dear, dear friends, Christine said, she believes because she knew me at the time, so we've known each other that long, that I was in postpartum depression and perimenopause at the same time. And as I really, yeah, dissect it because I was, life was troublesome for me back then. I had a very challenging time conceiving the kids. We had some help. Then when I was just about ready to birth the kids, um, I had a great pregnancy. And then at the very end, everything was not well. I had help syndrome, which really put me in an emergency situation. I was under general anesthesia. They, you know, pumped me with all kinds of meds to keep me alive because I was going to stroke out. Wow. So they were born, I was medevaced. And once they were born, I went, for, I lost 50 pounds overnight. Wow. Of water. Yes. Wow. Talk so, about trauma. That's trauma. trauma. Right. So then, and at the time my husband was traveling a lot. So we had all the help we could get and we had some night nurses come in, but still I had these twins and I had my business. Yeah. So I went back to work six weeks later. Wow. God bless you. <laughs> Wayne, because I was so dedicated to our clients and to our trainers. So I believe I was in my early forties. Okay. It was early. And I remember when I went to see unbelievable Dr. Teal, Dr. Melissa Teal, she just doesn't practice anymore, but she was my angel who said when I was in my late forties, Oh girl, you're in deep perimenopause. You're in stage three. A lot of women don't realize that peri- there are three stages, mm-hmm. three phases of perimenopause. I was in my last and I was in my late 40s. So explain those three stages to the audience. Yeah, you start out with this place where you just know, you may not even notice anything's going on, migraines, histamine issues. Yes. Yes. And then the cycle starts to become a little bit more irregular as you go through phase one, two, and then three. But again, most of the time, we're not recognizing that. We're so busy in our 40s. This is the time when we're at the height of our career or we're working to be at the height of our career. Mm -hmm. Some of us have children or others we're responsible for who Mm -hmm. are parents or aunts or uncles or friends. So we're not really paying attention. So you go to two and then in three, you're definitely missing periods. And I believe this is when a lot of the dryness starts. You've got the dry hair, the dry skin, vaginal dryness, and the anxiety gets more and more, gets greater and greater. And that's what happened with me. 
Yeah, it was absolutely was so high, and I was putting on weight in places I had never seen it before. So I know that you really teach on this concept of the spokes of wellness wheel. And if I remember correctly, one of those spokes you talk about with is stress management and also a little bit on the calendar management. First of all, I'd love for you to go through the spokes of wellness a little bit. But I also am curious, you know, you just touched on such a real big issue right now for women. And this applies to me. I'm in my late 30s and, you know, run a business, two kids, my husband's away all week traveling for work. I'm single parenting this week. We're just getting settled in a new state. We hosted family all last week. It's busy. And I, a lot of my friends, same stage of life. Most of my friends are in their 40s. Um, some are caring for aging parents, teenage kids, running sports, all of that. How do you help women? I'm curious from your perspective, also as a coach, like really take the time to schedule in the self-care. And the calendar management. What does yeah. this what does this look like for you even? It's a change in mindset. Mm-hmm. Listen, it feels really good in our brain to help somebody else. We get a little reward, we get a little neurotransmitter called dopamine. Mm-hmm. We get a rush. It's kind of like when you take a, a bite of delicious ice cream. It's the same reward. So we get this reward feel when we help others. But if when we when we approach our 40s, it's time to really change your mindset about your own health and wellness. And it doesn't take hours upon hours every day, really just shifting the mindset to when a calendar, something that someone asks you to do something that would take some time. This is a calendar management issue. No is an acceptable answer on occasion. It's Mm -hmm. really difficult for me as a woman, 57 still, to say no to something that would help another individual or get me ahead in my business. Yeah. But when it has a lasting impact on my health and on my wellness and frankly, on my longevity, I need to really shift. I have to shift my mindset. So my program involves four different tenets. You have to shift your mindset about your sleep, about the importance of stress resilience. And what that, what that means is that you respond to stress as opposed to react. There's a very different, right? That's very different. If we respond to something out of our control as opposed to reacting, what is the difference on what it does to our brain? Mm-hmm. Well, it's significant, okay? We need to change our mindset about how we fuel ourselves with food, the beautiful work you're doing. I mean, Peg, it is beautiful what you're doing and you're educating the world. It's your passion, it's your vocation, because there is a really great need for women to understand and men to understand how food can be seen as a form of fuel Yes, for our lives, not the enemy. Not the failure. I heard, I heard yesterday in one of my groups, I'm a failure at this. Oh, that just breaks it my heart. It gives me so much guilt. I mean, I could give you so many. Yeah. It breaks my heart. And then we need to change our mindset about how we say yes and no. We need to, and how do we look at our movement and our exercise? I believe exercise 
has somewhat of a pejorative connotation. Exercise sometimes feels like something I have to do. Whereas movement feels okay. I can move more. I can get in time for a five-minute walk here and there through the day. I can do a few push-ups on my bathroom counter as I'm getting ready in the morning. I can stand on one leg while I'm brushing my teeth. And in combination, these kinds of different forms of movement can really go a long way to promoting our wellness. So it's a mindset shift. Then I truly believe we have to figure out what our barriers are. What are the barriers for you to really embracing this change and making a, and taking action? So developing in our program, we develop what are your barriers? And then the science. I teach the science of all of the spokes. Every one of our spokes has serious science behind it. And then we have a list of strategies, really simple strategies. Deliberate breathing, which I'm sure you're a fan of. Deliberate breathing is something that people don't understand how much benefit you get from one deep breath. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every day. Make it simple. And then, of course, you know that I really believe in the power of the habit. So the neuroscience of the habit that willpower and discipline simply do not work after early morning hours. We're just, our brain isn't built that way. So as we go throughout the day, that's why the snacking at three and four in the afternoon is so difficult for so many women because willpower and discipline are out the door. However, if you develop tiny habits that work for you, they're sustainable. Yep. And can really, yeah, make a big difference on caving into those cravings and that you know what, never mind, let's just order takeout or, yeah, I think it's a really, a really good point. So I am curious, what are your thoughts on the state of the current health and wellness world? And do you feel like diet culture is still majorly influencing how women are making decisions? Or do you feel like more of us are waking up and kind of stepping away from that? I like to think of myself as a very positive person. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that women like you and me out in the world is such, we, w- we wouldn't have had businesses 15 years ago. No, absolutely no not. Yeah. Uh, the shame around menopause, saying the word menopause, saying the word period, we're getting to a place where there's very little shame around that word. I do believe that our medical system, our healthcare system is still in dire need of help understanding that there are lifestyle shifts that patients can embrace along with amazing medical science we have in our country. Yes. We live the best country in the world. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. No, you couldn't do that to me. However, when a individual in my community goes to the doctor, the first thing the doctor talks about are prescriptions. Yeah. And not, have you slept? How's your sleep? How's your stress level? Are you moving? Are you able to really fuel yourself with nutrient-dense foods? But they don't know those things. Our medical professionals don't. They're they're doing it on on the side. Mm -hmm. They're not taught in medical school. So I think there is a small shift. And I think there's a little tiny opening in the bottom of a funnel, if you will. And I think that when my daughter and my son, who are 16 now, reach your age and my age, that the healthcare system will be much more embracing of a lifestyle shift. And they will look at lifestyle changes in combination with 
any kind of other prescriptive care they need. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I mean, there is a really important place for Western medicine as we age. Like, I have quite a few clients that are utilizing HRT, hormone replacement therapy. Yes. And it's been a game changer for most, most women, I feel like, can benefit from some form of HRT. It can be difficult for for women to find quality providers that will come alongside them and help them troubleshoot. All right, are you going to do cream? Are we going to do a patch? Are we going to do an injection? How do we monitor this? Um, I can't wait until the day comes where that's like standard practice of care for women. Yes, me too. However, there are menopause specialists. Yes. And we are so lucky that now NAMS, National Association of Menopause Specialists, as you know, menopause.org, you can find a menopause specialist in most large metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them do virtual visits too. Right. Right. And if, and if you have a woman who's interested in I'll do anything it takes, you know, and then they can, they can school them in the gels, the creams, the patches, the pills, the suppositories. There, there are so many, there's such a variety of choices they have. And if they don't want to go that route yet. Right. And I do the, the really beautiful thing I love about the menopause specialist field is that they want to talk about how are you feeling? Now they do, of course, they embrace labs. They want to see your labs, but they also want to know how you're feeling. And I don't normally hear that from a doctor, how you're really feeling. Yeah. Put your labs aside because it's brain, they call it brain, not blood. I want to know how you're feeling. Well, I'm sweating at night. I, I, you know, I overreact to so many things. This was me in my forties. I was losing everything, everything. <laughs> I was dieting like crazy. As the owner of a strength training gym, I was trying every fad out there. I was solely exercising HIT style, high intensity. Training. Oh, wow. Yes. But I want to go back to your original question, too, is to let you know that I do believe, unfortunately, that social media is still filled with lots of different nutrition programs. And I know most women who may be listening to your podcast would mirror some of my community who say, I just want you to tell me what to eat. And when to eat it. Uh-huh. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. I could see you just, yes. I mean, you throw your hands up in the air like I do. Because yeah. not like I wouldn't want to tell you what to eat. Yeah. That model does not work. Thank you. I'm not. Say it again. <laughs> I am not you. Yeah. You are a beautiful individual who is made up of these beautiful gifts that you have, including the way your body and your gut and your brain are made up. I'm not you. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we actually do not do super structured meal plans. Our clients ask all the time of like, is there an app I can log into that tells me exactly, you know, can you calculate my macros? Can you, and, and some clients I do calculate macros for if we're close to the end of working with a client and they're overall, like they've hit the foundations really well, their labs are improving their symptoms. Then I'll, you know, we'll have a little fun and be like, yeah, let's go into some macro strength training, whatever. But yeah, I don't want to teach you to just follow a seven day meal plan split every single week and rinse and repeat. I think that there is so much beauty when we can take the time to 
see how our body reacts to certain foods. Like I know if I don't eat a certain number of carbs by 12, one o'clock, I'm yawning and I have brain fog. I, I need a lot of carbs in earlier in the day. Some people do better with a higher fat diet, right? I totally agree with you. We're all individual. Our body's ability to detoxify affects how we tolerate certain foods, our gut health, all of that. So, right. Yeah. And, the, and like you said, the protein, that's one of the bigger ahas that the women in our community. Oh, um, yes. It's so amazing, isn't it? To share that. I just, I shared just a, a, the raw formula. And say, let's just do some math. Get out your calculator. Here's your body weight. And, and I give them the formula and they look at it in shock. I'm supposed to eat that much. And I say, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to tiptoe there. You're probably never going to reach that number. But if you do, yay, you. Yeah. <laughs> you a lot of chewing. You <laughs> done a lot of chewing. But I, I like to teach protein forward food approach because we're adding. Mm hmm. We're not taking away. Yes. We're not taking away. We're adding. We're adding, adding, adding. Let's add, ladies. Let's do that. Let's stop denying ourselves. You know, and I, I listened to one of your podcasts the other day about, you know, giving up sugar and gluten and dairy. I hear it every year, January. Mm -hmm. It's the dry January, right? Or it's the damp January. And I think that's fantastic to see how your body responds. But I'm more akin to what's going to last. What's right. going to last? Right. For a while. What can you do for a while? That detox you're not going to do for a while. Let's try things out and see how your body responds and then take some steps from there. Yeah, I think part of it is we as a culture want that drastic, quick change. And the truth is, I mean, if you if you were to do like, I've had clients that we do candida diets because candida grows in the gut and Unfortunately, one of the ways to get rid of candida is starving the yeast, and that yeast feeds on sugar. And when you put a client on a no sugar, no grain, no gluten diet, no alcohol, they lose weight. And a lot of them lose weight pretty quickly. My clients lose 20 pounds in two months, three months, Amazing. you know, but they had that like um, almost like that belly bloat that can come with certain gut issues. I don't know that it's necessarily even fat that's being lost. It's like more of like an inflammatory type of weight that they're holding in their belly. We are attracted to that though, as a culture, that quick, like, yeah, in 60 days, I can lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds. That would be amazing. But you're right. It's not sustainable. It's not, tra it doesn't translate into daily life of family and hanging out, going, going out to a restaurant with your family vacations, work stuff, all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What are some of the things that you feel like maybe women kind of get wrong as they transition into menopause? I know you touched on like, I was, you said that you were doing the HIIT workouts. Do you feel like oh, as yeah. women transition, they just try to like up the exercise and cut the calories? Is that the top thing that you see? Most definitely. And I was living that life. I was living that lie until I wasn't, until I realized I could really not continue. It was unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And I was also not sleeping because I also, our son had night terrors for five years. So he was up running around our house. So I was not sleeping because I was hot. <laughs> um, I would say that the way that we exercise and the way we, our mindset about exercise, I love to root it in strength. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, that means strength training for sure. because 
as you know, we are losing bone and muscle mass by the minute. So I work every day to keep the muscle I work hard for. So yes, that includes strength training, but it doesn't solely mean strength training. It means I'm going to push my exercise when it's fun, something that I actually do because it's fun. And I view it as kind of, I like to say every woman, every one of us is an athlete. Let's find your inner athlete because there are movements that you may not have done before or for a long time, like hanging. Mm -hmm. I could hang women in a hanging position every session. Oh, interesting. Yeah, work on the grip strength. Grip and just, you know, the preponderance of frozen shoulder. Mm -hmm. I would love a study of women in perimenopause and frozen shoulder. I am certain that part of it is we don't put our shoulder through a full range of motion. We definitely don't put any weight on it. And we're carrying around our bags and our backpacks and some children and Mm -hmm. our water and our phone. And, you know, we know the sitting, the problem with sitting at our desks on a screen all day long. So our shoulder is in a very vulnerable position and it is our most vulnerable joint. Yeah. Sock joint. So looking at all these things, using hanging as just one example of let's view this body as a gift. And what am I going to do for this gift to get it as strong as possible so that I make really strong decisions about my day? Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but when I'm on top of my exercise routine, I am way less likely to overeat, not to, you know, to skip a meal. I'm way more on point with my, with my eating habits when I'm on top of exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the same thing around my wheel. So that's why I, I say that my wheel is interconnected. All the spokes mm-hmm. are interconnected. So if I get my sleep, I'm going to have the motivation to exercise. If I exercise, I'm going to want to fuel my body with foods that are nutrient dense and that are nutritious for me. And then I'm going to make decisions about my calendar that are probably better for me first. And then my stress is definitely all we know so much science behind all of those four components and the impact on our stress. So they all go around and and, and you can start with any of them, right? If I make poor decisions about my calendar, what's going to happen with my sleep, my food, my, my calendar and my, my stress. If I'm stressed, what's going to happen to my, they're all connected. However, the beauty of the wheel is that when you make one small change, like setting a consistent bedtime, which is not easy to do. Uh-huh. So we don't start there in my program. We don't start there in my program. We always start with sleep. It's the foundation of my program. And we set the bedroom environment for sleep. So calm, cool, quiet, and dark. Yeah. So we make it super simple. And over the course of time, we level from level one to level four. And so if we set, if we do that, then over the course of time, when our sleep is consistently somewhere between seven and seven and a half hours of uninterrupted sleep. That means we are not waking up to go to the bathroom. That means we are not waking up because we're, our minds are racing. Then what's going to happen to my exercise, my stress, everything else around the wheel? Right. Start small and the rest of them will fall in place. So I am curious how you recommend women fit in exercise. So I, I have clients that are working teacher jobs and thinking of even my own, my own sister. She has to be at school as a teacher by seven fifteen, Okay. And then 
comes home from school and it's right to school pickup at the bus stop. All right, we're doing snacks, we're doing homework. And then a couple of days a week, we're going to soccer or whatever, you know, and then the dinner time saga. And so assuming that this person has their sleep under control, when do you recommend women fit in the exercise? Are you a fan of telling someone to get up at 530 in the morning and squeeze it in first thing? When, you know, yeah, what does it look like when people are out of the house for eight, nine hours and then the front and back end of their day is scheduled? First of all, kudos to your sister. The most, I mean, kudos kudos to all teachers. The teachers, I feel the teacher schedule. They should be the highest paid, Uh the best benefits of any job in this country. (laughs) I'm always blown away with the amazing teachers that our kids have. Yeah. Teachers and nurses. Those Teachers two and nurses, you're right. Those two professions, I feel like, have a hard time making time for things like exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the question that you asked is, when do you get it in? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to focus on that it. Because when we're in our teens, 20s, 30s, we were able to find an hour most days in one period of time. So I believe if you get up 15 minutes earlier, and mm-hmm. I'd start with 10 for your sister. What's her name? Lillian. Okay, so Lillian. I would say to Lillian, what time to get up? So if she has to be at school at 7.15, I'm assuming she's getting up around 6. Let's just yeah. yeah, and she she does exercise regularly, but she's we message all the time, and she's like, I feel like I can only get it in on like the weekend. And maybe like one weeknight, she'll hit up a yoga class. But she's like, I just can't figure out where to fit it in. Yeah. Yeah, the it. So if her sleep is where it is, let's just say it is, and she's getting that consistent seven to seven and a half hours of sleep, Okay, then I'm so happy as her wellness coach. I would say, let's start at 15 minutes. So truly, Lillian, what's the difference between 5.45 and 6? And after me and Hine, and maybe just fight me a little bit, I'd say, it's not much, is it? So for that 15 minutes, Am I, are you going to go downstairs and grab a barbell and throw a bunch of weights on it and throw it over your head? No. But what you're going to do is you're going to start to do something. You're going to walk if you live in a safe area, or you're going to warm yourself up. You're going to do some yoga moves. You're going to throw in a few push-ups and squats here and there. What I do is I recommend my clients set their timer on their phone. Mm-hmm. I believe in the five-minute flow. So um, if you look on my website or I'm happy to send to your listeners my five-minute flows, I've got a whole library of them. Okay. Five minutes can go a long way. If you can get five minutes in four or five times a day, you have gotten almost a half hour of your strength training in for the day. And if that's all you get in, fabulous. You're so right. You're so right. Five minutes. And for Lillian, I would say, give me 15 minutes. Start slow. And yeah, over the course of time, you can work yourself up. I'm a big believer in lifting load. I'm a big believer that we need to challenge our bodies with, with there's so much research about our hormone health and lifting weights. So I do it myself. And I love to set weight goals too for women, not on the scale. There's no scale in my studio. There's no scale in my house. Once I had a daughter, the scale went away and she to this day does not, she's not interested. Mm -hmm. However, I do like to push them on how much weight they can lift within reason when they're ready. So you think you can lift a 10 pound dumbbell today with holding onto it and doing a a squat? 
great. Can we end up to 12 by next month? And then maybe like 15 by like three, four months. And then holy cow, by the end of the year, are you lifting 20 pounds on your squats? Fabulous. Stay there for a while. So I think in that 15 minutes of time for Lillian in the first five days a week, start with one day. Eventually the habit, the science of habit will tell you, then add another day about 30 days later and then add another day. And if you miss one, it's no big deal. And then between classes, I don't know if she's ever able to do this. Can she take a quick walk around the anywhere? Or she's a teacher. It's probably not easy. But if she's going to soccer practice, I tell my moms, walk around that field, get up. (laughs) And I have a client who she invested. We do a lot of kettlebell work, iron ball with a handle. So she invested in kettlebells. So she goes to lacrosse games and lacrosse practices and she brings her car and she does a a kettlebell workout for like 15, 20, 30 minutes in the parking lot. That is such a good idea. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's doing it, man. And so then you get that in. So you got your 15 minutes in the morning. Maybe you take a walk around, you know, the hallways, you know, (laughs) try not to talk to anybody along your way. This is your time. And then you get your 15 minutes, 30 minutes in the parking lot. I know it's not the greatest circumstance in an air-conditioned gym, but it's something. And just start. Yeah. Because I know that it will feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to be really embarrassing. I can't tell you how many parking lots I have trained in with my kettlebells. And it feels sort of embarrassing at the beginning. And then you get to this point of pride. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. That's a great idea. That's a really good idea. That's such an easy thing to like leave in the trunk of your car. Take your car, put a kettlebell in there, kettlebell or two, dumbbell, yoga mat. I don't even, you don't even need a yoga mat. I have an old rag towel. Yeah. Towels we don't use anymore. I have in the back of my car. I've got a kettlebell there. Throw in a few deadlifts, some squats, throw in some pushups in the back of my car. If you've done five minutes of that, that is incredible. Mm -hmm. Five minutes is enough. Yeah. It's just building those little, yeah, carving out those little pockets of time. I honestly, I needed that reminder because I got so out of my own routine with, you know, with moving. Yeah. And I have been trying, I've been like mentally telling myself like, oh, I got to go to the gym. And yeah. it yeah. takes, you know, it takes you 15 minutes till you drive there and park and get signed in and get a locker and get upstairs and warm up till you're done. It's like an hour and a half round trip thing and that is just not happening right now yes so same like you just discussed the kettlebells um i have it like literally written in my schedule today when my kids get home from school they usually play outside in the street with the neighbor kids i'm gonna work out in the driveway while they're out there riding their bikes yes you are you go girl 20 minutes 30 minutes it's not a perfect gym routine but i that's just where i'm at and if I don't do anything, I'm going to lose that progress that I made, you know? Yes. And you're going to not feel, and that's the other thing. At the end of the day, one of the tenets of my calendar program is to fill your bucket first. Yeah. You're filling your bucket. And then you can give of yourself to your family. You know, I have, um, we use a lot of um, slam balls. Yeah. So slam balls are great for women to use because boy, does that get a lot of energy out. But something small for you goes a long way as opposed to, scheduling an hour at the gym. I too, I love going to my gym, mm-hmm. but it's an hour and a half from my front door because it takes me. And then I always have to calculate. That's another part of my calendar program. 
calculate your maintenance tasks. How long does it take you to bathroom, put your stuff, wash your face, do your contacts, brush your teeth? It's usually about 15 minutes. We don't calculate those little times into our day. How long does it take for you to get from your car to the front door of the gym? Well, it takes me about six minutes. So by the time I get to my gym, I have calculated it's 12 minutes. Yep. I know it sounds crazy, but that's time that I, so that's why I have. I do believe that women should have some corner of a room or some place that is their space to train, not exercise, because athletes train. I love that. Yeah, I I have a little space in my garage right now, but I actually have thought about pulling some of those things even just into my living room because I am a big believer of out of sight, out of mind. And yeah. when I physically have that pile, even though it's not aesthetically pretty to have a pile yeah. of kettlebells and a yoga mat out, it's I, when I see it, I'm more likely to pull it out. You know, the kids are watching a TV show and dinner's in the oven. Let's do some setups. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a good reminder. Yeah, or like a foam roller or something like that. And then for those uh, who are listening, who are moms or grandmothers, what kind of role modeling are we doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I believe that, you know, movement is medicine. Mm-hmm. And that when we build our movement around strength, not just, that doesn't mean I'm going to lift heavy weights. No, as we know, it would, that does not mean I'm going to get bulky. Um, that means I'm just going to get strong and I'm going to make really strong decisions and I'm going to allow myself to control the response, not the react. And that's a bad place to be. I love that. Well, thank you. This was such a good pep talk, even for myself. (laughs) It was good for me too. I have to remind myself too. (laughs) Don't worry. Every day. So um, where can our listeners find you on social media? Adrian Cotton, Adrian M. Cotton, M is Mary Cotton, is my um, Instagram. Okay, I'll, I'll link that in the notes for people. Thank you. And then we have uh, my website is adriancotton.com, A-D-R-I-E-N, cotton.com. And there they'll find my programs. I have an online menopause course called Master Menopause Now, and we're offering a discount for your listeners today and forever, yes. forever. And then I have a concierge small group program that I run with women online, here in person. And I gather somewhere between six and 10 women. And we have a wellness program, 30 minutes is on the wellness portion around the wheel. And then 30 minutes is dedicated to strength training. I love that. Yeah, it's an hour. The hour goes fast. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Awesome. Well, I will definitely link your info in the show notes for people that want to give you a follow. This was a Great, great Great. chatting with you. I really appreciate your time. It was wonderful to be with you. I'm sure we will be having many more conversations. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Learn more at margaretannpowell.com. And follow me on Instagram at Margaret Ann Powell.